Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Man show in front of the show, Emory Hunt Football Game Plan.com, CBS Sports, Sports Line, doing big things, my brother. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine, man. As always, I appreciate you having me on. Anytime, brother. Well, man, I'll start off with the Falcons here, man. News is saying we got to hire Arthur Smith to be our head coach with Terry Fontenot, the GM. So, looking at the Falcons cap situation, our roster, do we really fit what Arthur, Smith, Arthur does best, or do you feel like we have to really have go to a retooling or rebuilding to get the Falcons back on track here going forward in the NFC South there? You know, it's a unique question because, you know, I think a lot of people always ask, does this coach fit this scheme and does the players, uh, I mean, does the personnel fit the coach and does the coach fit the per, uh, personnel? But I think it's kind of, you know, that's why you hire a coach. You hire him for the way he was able to take what, let's say, Tennessee had and make it work for him. And so you expect him to take what Atlanta has and make it work for, for them. And so it's not necessarily about certain plays that he runs or, um, you know, certain groupings that he has. It's about finding what guys do well and being able to help them maximize their talent. Now, the biggest key for him is going to be how he builds that staff and what will he uh, be able to give up play calling. Because as a coach, if you're trying to do both, it can be a little bit stressful for you. Yeah. And we've seen guys struggle in that capacity. If he truly wants to be the CEO of this football team and put guys in position to be successful, then and that's to me, that's the way you should go. Um, but if he's going to call plays, I think he'll be fine and making do with what he has. And, you know, Fontenot is probably the biggest hire of the of them all because he's the one that's going to be putting the groceries in the cart and allowing, you know, um, you know, uh, the head coach to make things happen with the players that he's going to give them. Embry, I'm looking at the, the dots here. I'm thinking this means in 2021 or two that Julio Jones and Matt Ryan probably won't be here anymore based on the cap issues we have with Deion Jones as well. A lot of our cap is kind of tied up in our top of our roster. So a lot of you got to get younger and cheaper here. So I'm feeling like uh, getting Fontenot a good five-year deal, hopefully. Hopefully Smith a five-year deal so we can actually retool this thing around because we know that the Matt Ryan Julio Jones era is coming to an end. If, if it's not next year, it's year out in 2022 is definitely over. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why it's probably a unique spot for Atlanta to be in, uh, picking in the top five to probably take a quarterback. If they find someone that they deem to be a quote unquote franchise worthy guy, it would make sense to grab him now. And therefore you can groom him for 
you know, when he takes over for Matt Ryan, whenever that may be, whether it's, you know, next, not this upcoming season, but 2022, maybe that's when you give him the full reins, kind of like what Green Bay is doing with Jordan Love. You always want to have your ace in the hole already, as opposed to going out and getting one when you need one, because you may be good the previous year, you may not be taking one that high. So if they're seeming to see someone, if, if they find someone that they deem ready to be a franchise guy, where they are in the draft, whoever that player may be, they have to take them. And I look at our roster offensively, Emory, I see that Julio Jones is still there. But look at Ridley, with Patrick Julio's place. We got Zacchaeus is coming up, up and coming kid. Christian Blake as well, Gage as well. So I feel like receiver-wise, if Julio moves on in 2022, we got some guys in the pipeline that will be able to step in and step up. And, and Hurst, tight end, and replace Austin Hooper, a very good player as well. Well, see, that's the thing. Julio Jones is a bona fide number one. Um, and unless Ridley can prove that he could be a bona fide number one, he's running sidecar right now with Julio. So even if you lose Julio, you still are going to need someone that's going to be considered a bona fide number one if it's not Ridley. Or if you can find that, find out that Ridley is that guy, then you also still want to have someone that you can see to be a code number one. Because right now, Zacchaeus is a good guy, good player. A uh, good versatile player. You mentioned Gage as well. You talked about the tight end position. I think tight ends, you know, that position is set with, with Hurst. But I think you're still going to need a, another stud at wide receiver if you plan on moving on from Julio. Yeah, let's talk about the playoff game this weekend. First one, Buffalo and Baltimore there, man. I, I love this game. I feel like Josh Allen is number three behind uh, Lamar and kind of was running quarterbacks in my mind. And I feel like it's going to be the quarterback's legs who make the difference in this game on here in Buffalo. I feel like, you know, Allen can make plays in the pocket with his arms. So can Jackson as well. So what are thoughts of this game and how to Wink Martindale, is he going to blitz Josh Allen or is he going to play coverage and force him to go a little long route rather than giving those easy one-on-ones on the outside and let Josh do his thing. Even if you have a free blitzer, Emory, as you know, he can still make plays and keep you one less man in coverage and still burn you. Well, see, that's the unique part about Baltimore, and that's why I think it's a bad matchup for uh, Buffalo because you look at the fact that, one, they could apply pressure, which is always giving any any quarterback problems. But in combination with that, on the outside, you have Marlon Humphrey and also Marcus Peters, two man coverage guys that can match up against wide receivers. So it makes throwing those, uh, you know, those hot routes against those uh, press corners a little bit tougher. So it's going to be up to Buffalo to find creative ways to generate offense, maybe go to more condensed sets to try to loosen up um, that coverage and try to, you know, get those guys to communicate while, you know, running through uh, rub routes and pick routes. So we'll see. Um, but that's why I like Baltimore in that game because just the matchup from a defensive perspective and also on the offensive side, they do well what Buffalo doesn't do well, and that's stop the run. Most definitely, because you saw this week in Tennessee, shut down Derrick Henry. I mean, putting had pretty much had five man fronts, had nine guys in that box, guaranteeing Hill to beat them one on one. And this time, Baltimore got stopped stopped them up real, real good as well. And offensively, you know, Gus Edwards and Dobbins, those guys, man, are running the ball like crazy. And then you got guys like Brown getting balls. Andrews, of course, out there for Lamar. And so I feel like the Ravens got hot after that Pittsburgh debacle. When they played on Wednesday, they get they they got they got past that man. They've been on a run ever since then. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, you look at the fact that this is a team that uh, has played Buffalo before, and Buffalo could say the same thing. I thought Buffalo the first time, I thought they contained Lamar pretty well uh, in their meeting last year. So we'll see what adjustments can be made 
But with the weather being what it's going to be, and, and again, snow, rain, yeah, it can affect uh, each each uh, opponent. But you want to see how Buffalo stops the run and how they're able to supersede that pressure they're going to see from Baltimore. Now, Emory, going to Green Bay in the Rams, uh, Jared Goff come off the thumb injury, played good in Seattle, got the win up for those guys. Uh, but I like the defenses, man. I, I feel like Donald – can wreak havoc on the Packers, but we have Ramsey to kind of take out Adams. So that means Scantling, Tunyon, and those guys, and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have to really, hey, produce because you know, you know, Ramsey's gonna, gonna go with Devontae, but Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. He can get him on a dive with coverage, still open for Aaron Rodgers. So, other than the matchup, I feel like the Rams defense is gonna have to win this game for the Rams because I, I don't trust golf and offense right now for the Rams because, you know, as we know, Ben Banks run his outside zone schemes, 11 personnel. We know what it's gonna be for the most part, right? So, I feel like it's all about the Rams defense to win this game for those guys. They're gonna do it. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the Rams defense is the the you know the, the matchup here. They have an elite defensive tackle, elite corner, uh, a borderline elite safety, and John Johnson the third. Uh, Williams the, on the other corner has proven to be a ball hawk. So they got some dudes in the secondary to match up against those spread sets. Can they stop the run is going to be the key. And we know Donald is a disruptive player up front within the run game as well as what he can do is rushing the passer. So what can Green Bay offense do? And on the other side of the ball, can their defense take advantage of opportunities because we talked about condensed sets earlier. You look at what the Rams do. That's what they, that's how they live. That's how they operate that outside zone flash coming off that wide receivers running across the field going every which way, but they do have some good communicators on the back end with Jari Alexander, uh, Darnell Savage. I think is going to be a huge X factor in this game. And uh, so as much as we talk about the Rams defense being key, I think the Packers defense will be key as well. Cause if they can get pressure, they have guys on the back end, just like the Rams do that can take the ball away. Most definitely. And then I look forward to seeing how Mike Pedden does it against um, McVay. Because, you know, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry. You know, as you know, LaFleur came from the, from, from the McVay tree, so it's pretty much the same offense you see in practice every day when you're playing Sean McVay, when you're going against LaFleur in practice every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to be the biggest matchup. It's more coaching. But in, in at the end of the day, you do have the best quarterback on your team if you're Matt LaFleur, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Most definitely. Let's go to KC and Cleveland. Now, Emory, this is a question I have for you, man. If you're the Browns, do you play ball control with Kareem Hunt and Chubb and kill the clock and limit Mahomes' possessions, or do you go out, all go go out, go for it and be a gunslinger and get a shootout with those guys? Because Baker has been playing well, man. He's been on fire. Stefanski surprised me with how good he's been this year because I thought his offense in Minnesota was kind of wasn't that wasn't that good in my opinion. But this year I saw him develop as a play caller, what he's doing with Hollywood Higgins, those guys, Jarvis, and those low Dale, man, they still getting, and I got Hooper from the Falcons now with the Browns. I see what they're doing, but you know, you know Mahomes is, is amazing, and three or two weeks off is amazing, being to me and those guys, so if Spads can hit you with some blitzes, and, and KC can stop the run when they want to, and beat you, beat you in coverage as well, so it's going to be an interesting game, but so for Cleveland, do you ball control it, or do you, or do you go for it? I think you have to play your game. And right now their game is ball control and play action and boots and waggles with Baker Mayfield. Um, they have to be able to go out there and do what got them there. And that's, you know, the run game. That's their play action passing. That's opportunistic defense. You hope that their defense is healthier now than it was last week against Pittsburgh with guys coming back off COVID. Um, their defensive line can be active. They have Miles Garrett there uh, matching him up against whoever tackle. Uh, is going to be the, the matchup they're going to try to exploit. And if guys on the back end can 
you know, keep their eyes on their luggage and not get caught looking in the backfield and allowing Mahomes to attack deep down the field. That's going to be the biggest keep. But I think this will be a closer game than people think because of what you talked about as far as the Browns playing their game and, and what they are able to do really well, run the football. That kind of yields itself to being a, a very close game. Yeah, and I love how Kansas City, one of those transcontinentals with, with Hill and Watkins. I mean, I love their deep passing game. Is that transcontinental off around over the whole field, man? It's amazing to watch on film all twenty-two, man. I just I love seeing the way Andy Reid and Bianami draws up plays because they're so interesting to watch. It reminds me of as you know playing college football as well. Plays we saw we we played ball back back in the day, man. Right, exactly, and and it's you know when you have the amount of playmakers. Uh, that they have, you know, you talk about elite talents. You you know, it's not like, you know, a bona fide number one and, and everybody else is really threes and, and fours. You talk about Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, those are guys that are elite at their position and they're game breakers. And, you know, you add the fact that Mahomes is a game breaker. Um, that That's just tough for any defense. Normally you have one good corner and, you know, two other corners that are, that are solid. But Kansas City forces you to have three good corners. Otherwise, it could be a problem. Most definitely. Last one of the week, man, is uh, the a NFC South battle with uh, with Breeze and Brady again, man. Uh, I th New Orleans has handled Tampa both times this year. I do feel like Tampa is getting into a groove now, but I feel like, you know, Sean Payton knows Arians what he wants to do. And I feel like Dennis Allen has a plan for that. Now, they're having Antonio Brown more involved now with him out there more and more get them in more nickel there, but I still feel like on, in, in the Superdome, uh, it's Drew Brees' birthday week, today's birthday. I feel like, you know, the Saints are going to get the job done. It's based on scheme-wise and, and how, you know, I feel like New Orleans has a, a date with Green Bay coming up in a, in, a, in a week or so there. Well, the Saints were the last team to, to beat an opponent three times in one season, and he did it in 2017 when he beat the Panthers twice in the regular season and in the NFC wildcard playoffs. So they have a good opportunity to do so here. Uh, it's going to be up to the adjustments because we saw what happened in the second game. It was turnovers that really got the Bucs beat, you know, and got out of hand pretty quickly. If they can protect the football in conjunction with, you know, Antonio Brown now being more involved in the offense, it could pose a problem for uh, that New Orleans secondary. But New Orleans defense is really good. And, you know, I think their defense being able to apply pressure, being able to match up on the perimeter, and offensively, while they may not be dynamic, they are efficient and effective. I think that could do a number on, uh, you know, we talked about ball control. That's their way to win in this ball game. I think that's going to be what has to happen in order for them to win. Because, again, when you give an offense like Tampa Bay that has found its rhythm throwing the football deep down the field, it could pose a problem if you're giving them more swings at bat. So you have to minimize that by taking control of that football and making sure when you have the ball, you maximize it by scoring. Uh, either a field goal or, or if you're able to get it in for a touchdown. And I'm thinking with emergence of Deontay Harris on offense now, uh, with also with Traquan Smith, also with Michael Thomas and Kamara and Cook, maybe spread them out because Todd Bowles can, can't blitz as much if you have five empty sets out there. So you only have six men to blitz with if you're going to do it. So do you feel like maybe playing that way with zero coverage, spreading them out so they have to play kind of a, maybe two man under or, or play a quarters rather than come at you with all his exact blitzes he wants to do with you all the time and then those A gaps there? Well, it depends because when you're going to, if you're going to spread somebody out, you got to identify the threat that can beat you. And right now, if we're being completely honest, the Saints don't have anyone that can beat you deep. You know, the explosive one, most explosive one is Deontay Harris. 
and they have him in the slot. Um, you don't fear, you know, Thomas going over top. You don't fear Sanders going over the top. So if you're going to spread the Bucks out, you're really challenging their defense. You're saying, okay, we're going to challenge you to make tackles consistently in space. And judging by the person of the New Orleans Saints, the Bucks would be much obliged to make that happen because who's going to beat them deep? The one person that does have the ability to make you miss or be explosive is Harris. But you, you trust that your guys can make plays uh, consistently one-on-one in space. I think that's something that the Saints shouldn't do um, is try to s- spread the field because that just almost um, uh, it, it almost like enhances their weakness or highlights their weakness, weaknesses at, at that position. As far as, you know, explosiveness is concerned, those guys can catch the football, don't get me wrong, but they don't have that, that guy that really threatens you deep down the field. Henry, what are your thoughts on the hiring of Robert Sala with the Jets, uh, defensive coach there? Um, does that, in your mind, mean that Sam Darnold stays, or they maybe still go fields and, and bring in Mike McFleur from San Francisco as well to be his OC there with Sala and, and, and the Jets there up up your way? Well, it depends. It, you know, that that's a $1 million question, right? If You know, they want to know. Uh, I, I, to me, you've seen three years of Sam Darnold, and the, the one thing you can say about him is that he's inconsistent, uh, the other thing you say, he hasn't been able to play a full season, you know, so he's injury prone. You know, I hate to use that term, but that's it is what it is. And I know you can't control mono, but you miss games. Um, and so I think they have to move on at that position. Now, does that mean taking Justin Fields? Does that mean probably taking one of these free agent quarterbacks, a veteran guy? Maybe that means, um, you know, OK, maybe we can. They have two first round picks, I believe. Um, so they can probably grab a quarterback if they see one and then, you know, maybe move Darnold, what have you. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of options. And Darnold right now, you know, he had an opportunity to, to, to really play himself back into that role by the last stretch of the season, and he still played inconsistent. Um, and, and that's just been the book on him since he's been uh, their starting quarterback. And we got another hiring, Herb, Urban Meyer coming to Jacksonville down the way from me in Duval County. Uh, you know, I'm worried about the hire, Emory, because it's, it's, it's a splash hire, but he's retired twice due to stress for, in Florida and in Ohio State. And the NFL is a whole other animal for his stress. So what are your thoughts of him being there long-term and why, why you win the press conference today, but will he be there for you in four years when, you, when hopefully you'll be good and competing with Trevor Lawrence and those guys in the AFC South there? Well, I love the hire. I think because he's, you know, a, more of a CEO type and he understands, he said in his presser today that the most important thing is to hire elite staff. That's first and foremost. You want to hire future head coaches at their position. And he understands that. And everywhere he's been, Utah, Bowling Green, Florida, uh, Ohio State, he's turned them into winners. And and so that's something that you can say and, and hang your hat on. That, hey, he's going to go down there and develop a winning program and he understands that you know he doesn't have to be the the play caller we get so enamored with guys did he call plays is he the play caller all coaches can call plays all coaches understand offense and defense and putting guys in position but can you be able to lead you know delegate and uh plan things out and have a, a set mission and philosophy in place that's urban myers mo plus he has the two first round picks two second round picks all that cap space and the jaguars are not a bad football team from a talent perspective. The cupboard is not bare there in Jacksonville. So I think he's going to hit the ground running pretty quickly. You think Deshaun Watson is this on? Is he, we think he'd be in Houston next year. I think he, the chance he may leave based on his upsetness with the Calvin there and Casario and Easterby. What are your thoughts on the whole Texans drama right now? 
it was hard to get a gauge on emotional, you know, uh, takes, right? And so what, what what's happening right now is all emotion. Once the emotion sets and, and you know, realism sets in and, and people get clearer heads and not emotional ones, uh, then we could probably better gauge on what's going to happen. But as of right now, I can't even give you a definitive answer because it's just such an emotional time uh, right now to say one way or the other. That's one for you. It's about a guy from here in Atlanta, Cam Newton. Uh, he had a weird year in New England this year. Uh, the arm kind of looked kind of shaky, if you ask me. He still run the ball. What's your see his, his future going forward? I know we'll probably won't be in New England. Probably most not likely he'll be moving on, but per report. So what's also on Cam Newton his, his, his future as a quarterback in the league? Yeah, you know, it's it's unfortunate because you're right. This year his arm just didn't look right. Um, and it's unfortunate to see a guy that, you know, really had just a rocket arm, uh, really succumb to those injuries with his shoulder. Um, and the run game is a run game, but what made Cam great is the fact that he was a dual threat. And if you take away one option, whether it was his running or his passing, he's not Cam anymore. Um, and so right now his arm, his shoulder is, and, and the way he throws just doesn't look comfortable. So you're right. Maybe his days as a starter is over, but, you know, he's going to be on a roster because we've seen this year how many teams had to go through multiple quarterbacks. And Cam Newton is still Cam Newton at, at one dimension. But you you just wish that he was able to have, you know, the, 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 you know, the magic that he had in 2018 uh, before he got injured with that shoulder. And we hadn't really seen that same Cam Newton since. No doubt. Well, Emery, thank you for your time, brothers. Always good to talk to you, my guy, man. You're always insightful, man. Always good to chat with another brother who loves the game like I got like I do, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thanks again for having me on, man. It's good to see you. Good to talk shop with you, man. And I wish you the best of luck. I know it's, what, the 14th or what have you, but Happy New Year as well. <laughs> yes, same to you, brother. Hey, and stay safe, man. It's COVID things crazy out here in the streets, man. Absolutely. Mask up, man. <laughs> no doubt, hey, Emery. Good, good to see you, brother. Thank you as always. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.